Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne, our director of scouting here in North Carolina. Lots of things to go over today. We're not going to get to everything because simply we don't have time. We're going to try and get this podcast done, and I'm out the door to go evaluate. Matt's going to be probably working on a bunch of evaluations himself as he's back home for the first time in a week. Matt, how you doing? Doing good. Good week at state games. It's been it's been really intriguing. It's been a good week, and I know the the overall talent level you and I discussed this, you know, looking back, and sometimes it's just revisionist history. Man, how good were they back in the day? But I think there is some of the um, maybe players have committed and are trying to open up slots for some of their teammates to come to the state games, and it's really worked out really well, and, and guys have played hard throughout this, this entire week. Yeah, it has, and, you know, it's always been well attended by pro scouts and college coaches, and, it's good to see guys sticking around for the majority of the event. And uh, it's always been special to us, I think, from, you know, playing in it and coaching it, scouting it through the years and get to go back and, and watch it again. Yeah, hosted, <coughs> excuse me, hosted in Charlotte this year. <clears throat> they spent a day at <coughs> Queens, as I'm losing my voice. They spent a day at the Charlotte Knights Stadium, the Uptown AAA Stadium, and the uh, <coughs> game days two through four played at UNC Charlotte. We're shooting this on Friday. We're posting it hopefully on Friday. Um, you know, games going on right now, but I'm going to try and shoot over there and see the bronze medal game, see the gold medal game, be able to report back on some of those players. But Matt, let's start with some cleanup. We still got some things to do at the end of the high school season. Um, this week we released our power 25, our final look at the top 25 teams in, in North Carolina, regardless of classification, regardless of where they play, as long as they're playing for a state title in North Carolina, they're eligible. That puts over 400 teams in the state eligible. And, um, I don't know if it was a surprise, number one, but we have a number one at the end of the year that we didn't have at number one throughout at, at any point during the year. Talk a little bit about our number one team in the Power 25. Yeah, T.C. Roberson, 4A state champs, uh, you know, in, in the top five at times throughout the year, top ten all year. Uh, come out of the gate hot, you know, hit a little skid at the uh, big high school tournament in Cary and struggled some after that, but but bounced back and, found their stride at the end of the year and knocked off who, uh, you know, we pretty much thought was the number one team in the state all year in Wake Forest. Yeah, really a testament to what a baseball team can do. Um, <clears throat> not reliant on any one guy. And an argument could be said that maybe their best player, Nick Parham, throughout the course of the year, early especially, maybe pressing a little bit, really trying to get back to this situation. And when he relaxed and allowed some of his teammates – to carry some of the load, and then all of a sudden he came on and surged at the end too. Um, a talented roster, don't get us wrong, there's depth on that roster, but the star power compared to a Wake Forest, uh, a J.H. Rose, uh, you know, uh, some of the other teams that we've talked about throughout the year, maybe lacking a little bit in that, maybe. We'll see how the next couple of years play out because they do have some very good young players. Um, but really their ability to play as a team to – to, from what we could see from the outside, from what we know, take a scouting report and apply that in game situations and how they attacked Wake Forest in that, that last series. Uh, very impressive throughout the year. Yes, yes, they were. And, um, you know, kudos to them for, for all that they've done. And uh, like you said, maybe not as much star power, but, you know, they got a full team effort throughout the playoffs. We talked a lot throughout the year, uh, especially in the state playoffs and the brackets were out about how – Highly, we thought of the the eastern side. <clears throat> Wake Forest at number two, New Hanover at three, Corinth Holders at four. 
you know, and those two, those three teams kind of battled it out in those last, you know, the Eastern semis, the Eastern quarters, to who was going to get to face TC Roberson. Um, you know, but we'll, let's talk about who ended up at number five in the state, right down the road from TC Roberson, another mountain team, another team that I, honestly I don't think we were light on throughout the year. We talked about them within one of our first couple polls. We had them in one of our first two polls. Uh, they dropped out after, you know, not playing well right after that and then got hot. Did we respect the teams they were playing? Maybe not as much and didn't really let them climb into the polls. So when they had a loss there late, it knocked them out of the poll again. But West Henderson goes on the run, wins a 3A title, beats an extremely good J.H. Rose team and sweeps them um, and ends up at number five. You know, where do you think we missed if we missed it all on West Henderson throughout the year? And, and what did they expose in terms of what we were evaluating with their run in the state championship series? I mean, I think we both knew they were good. I think I viewed them as probably a one-armed team uh, with Truitt, you know, and if he wasn't pitching against another quality opponent, could they win? And uh, started the year good, got them in. Uh, you know, they, they lose a couple games, and it's like they never went on that streak to to really get back in there until the end of the year. And, you know, I think for them to go sweep, J.H. Rose, who, you know, we, we were high on all year and super talented, I think says a lot. And, and also, you know, beating East Rowan in the playoffs in a close ball game. And we right. know East Rowan's really good. And, uh, you know, they hit their stride late and win a 3A state championship and do it the way they did. I think uh, it, it earned them the right there to, to be at number five. Well, and I, and I think what's important about the, the final poll in, and ultimately what the, all these guys are trying to do is win that state championship, is how are you playing in May? How are you playing in June? And I thought more than any other club that we were following, their coaching staff did just a tremendous job in developing that team because, yes, they had the one arm. And it, it's we've seen teams just say, we're going to saddle you up different parts of this year and you're going to take us to the, to the promised land. And, and instead of doing that with Truett, they had Truett in the bullpen for, for part of the year. It's kind of a safety bailout. And they're developing a second arm. They're developing a third arm. They're developing a fourth arm. And if something went haywire, hey, here's Truett. Get us out of it. We'll, we'll go back and score some runs. But over the course of time, you could see them starting to get quality outings from those guys. And I think the other thing, that, and it really came true in the state playoffs, their defense got better. You know, Jackson Lida playing short. Um, you know, Truett in the outfield when he's not pitching, they they were very strong up the <coughs> excuse me, strong up the middle. And you look at the final game against J.H. Rose, I, I think Rose only punched once. They put a ton of balls in play. And hit West Henderson made play after play after play after play to win a very tight game. Um, you know, so kudos to their coaching staff and the way they developed that team throughout the year. Yeah, I think it's, you know, a clutch move by those guys. They didn't throw Truett in game one, so he sets up to throw. Uh, rounds two and four, you know, four is going to be a tough matchup. And then you go into the three-game set, and if you can, like they did, win game two, anything can happen in a game three. And, it, you know, it really all played out. And I think a lot of that is them not throwing true in game one of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> as we kind of follow down, you know, the path of, of the uh, Power 25, one of the other teams I want to talk about, two of the teams, <clears throat> East Forsyth at 13, D.H. Connolly at 15, um, you know, East Forsyth was a club that we had in our top five most of the year. Um, was a club that, when the initial, uh, well, not the initial, when, when our 
first national rankings came out, the very first team from North Carolina, because this is the first year we've done national team rankings, the very first team from North Carolina to receive a national ranking was East Forsyth. Um, had played extremely well at that point in the year, had depth on the mound with three quality guys, had shown an ability to score some runs. Um, you know, we're, we're running through a gauntlet of a conference, ter- of conference, you know, with Reagan, with uh, West Forsyth, I think Davy County, um, gets Glenn in there too. I mean, week after week after week. But end of the year, just didn't peak at the right time. A little bit can be said of that with D.H. Connolly as well. Um, you know, and we have to drop them, uh, but I, I, I like what we did here, not dropping them all the way out because we do respect the year that they had. Absolutely. I think, you know, East Forsyth finishes 21 and five and they, you know, they were a one and two lost team and you know, they routed off a big win streak. And I think that, you know, they lose back to back games, to West Forsyth at the end of the year. And I think it was a little bit of a shock to them, you know, and we, we know the arm talent right. they had and, I think they just struggled to bounce back from that. And I think if that happens middle way through the year, they, they bounce back and they make a run in the playoffs. It just happened at the wrong time. But uh, to win the games they did in that conference and, you know, conference champs, it's they had a great season. And, you know, I think they're, you know, deservingly a, a top 15 team for sure. You know, the ebb and flow of this poll, <clears throat> and I've gone back and looked at years past and trying to dictate, okay, is it East heavy? Is it West heavy? I'm sure there's conversations out there depending on, you know, which side of the state you live on. We, we we're biased towards one region or another. Um, you know, probably in years it's been Charlotte heavy, you know, with, with us seeing a lot of games of Charlotte and me living here. It's an easy place for us to get to. But, um, you know, the poll, the poll probably leans a little bit heavy to the east, even with state champions, uh, T.C. Roberson, Wes Henderson, um, the, 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 the Burns in at number 18 with a 28-4 overall record all Western champions. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that lends itself to is with the, when you split the divisions East West, all those Eastern teams beat up on each other. So Terry Sanford and Garner and Topsell Hoggard sneaks in at number 25. I thought they had a great year. Tommy Boker, uh, you know, their head coach decided to leave at the end of the year here. Um, you know, but we've seen some of the, some of their players in the state games and very, very talented core group of players um, in just, you know, what that year does for those guys. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, the quality of player on the Power 25 and what they're seeing, you know, when you're a Reagan, when you're an East Forsyth, when you're a West Forsyth, when you're a New Hanover, Hoggard, Topsell, and week in and week out, you're playing really good competition. You know, talk a little bit about that development process and, and what that does as guys are getting ready hopefully move on to college baseball, but just in terms of developing their baseball skills. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned Hoggard right there. And the, the league they play in with, with Topsell, uh, South Brunswick, who made a run in the 3A to, I think, the, the third or fourth round, uh, New Hanover and those schools. Uh, the re- the records are, are worse than a lot of teams out there, but, you know, we've, we've seen those teams enough. We know it's a tough league. It's a talented league. Uh, so you got to reward them for that, much the same as you do East Forsyth and, and Reagan, Davey, uh, West Forsyth, all being in one conference. And we put a lot of value in that. And there's there's good players there. And, you know, Raleigh's much of the same way. And Charlotte, maybe not as much this year as years past. Uh, but we always – there's always a couple conferences that, that have a lot of teams in there because we know the strength of it. They beat up on each other. But uh, there's a lot of value in that. And uh, I think some things would play out different if, if the playoffs were a three-game series like the conference, you know, Weddington plays in. 
uh, you know, the way their schedule sets up and uh, try to reward that as, as much as we can and value strength of schedule and, and really get the good teams versus win-loss record. Yeah, and you see it a little bit just when we when we add schools to areas. And, and obviously there was a, a redistribution of conferences and even a 3A, 4A type, type uh, schools this year. You know, but Providence goes through it, and in their conference, they had some built-in wins and some built-in weeks where they're just going to drub some people just because of the draws from the area. That's a, it's a basketball, football area. They don't have a ton of baseball players living in that area, and the baseball programs, while we're very, very well run, just doesn't have the talent. And, and it's a way you know Providence is trying to schedule around that a little bit, and maybe scheduling Audrey Kell on a Saturday to balance that week out. But when you look forward. When, when these areas get diluted a little bit by that schools being added in, I thought one of the schools that did a good job of that this year was Garner. You look at, you know, Fuquay, Garner, Willow Springs, South Garner. Willow Springs and South Garner haven't made their run yet. But you can start to see when you're looking at the scores, when you're looking at the quality of talent, when you're looking at the way their schedule plays out, they're starting to make some waves. So two years ago, Fuquay runs through those teams because they're they're young. They didn't have a senior class. Uh, people are transferring out to stay at their school. Well, now we're a couple years in, and I think those schools are helping um, because the talent level has gotten better because those those guys that played as freshmen are now juniors. Um, you know, and you're seeing those schools being rewarded uh, and, and helping. And a team like Garner makes a run in the postseason because they were able to develop depth. Yes, they have Jackson Lucas. But Henry Good threw, uh, you know, a, a two-hit shutout or something in the playoffs. That that allows you if you're gonna, you know, Jackson's got to win game one, but to get to re- game three, somebody's gonna win game two. And Henry Good was really good. If Jackson wins game three, all of a sudden, bam, you're in the fourth round, and, and you're you're one win away from you know Jackson Lucas being able to maybe get us into a, a, a regional final. And so I think that quality of what Garner had seen throughout the year really helped because it developed those guys in the mound. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of that plays into where some of these teams go for spring break. You know, the, the tournaments yeah. we cover, and you can see the ones that are loaded up, and, um, you know, they get together at Corinth Holders, and you get some big-time matchups, Power 25 matchups, and you're watching it, and teams aren't throwing their ace. And, you know, they're learning how to play and compete with, with arms, you know, three, four, and five and playing consecutive days. And I know some schools can't do that because of administration or, or other reasons, but – I think it definitely pays off in the end schools that can go out and play in a, a strong Easter or spring break tournament and maybe take a loss or two, but they're more prepared to uh, come playoff time. And I, I think Southern Lee's an example of that. Uh, that's a great point. And we'll look at, look at our, our three state champions that are in the, in the power 25. <clears throat> All of those had the ability to win without the race. It, there wasn't a significant drop off. You know, we, we, we thought maybe with Wes Henderson, there would be, but throughout the year they developed those guys and so the team went into the game knowing we're going to manage the game. We're going to be fine. We're, if we score three, we'll probably win because we've done that throughout the year. And our offense is good enough. We may score nine or ten. Um, you know, and I think putting our, our, yourselves in those positions you know, as an organization, as a program, and saying, okay, well, we don't have to rely on number one. We've got to figure out ways to win, whether it's staff days, whether it's mixing and matching, whether it's developing a true number two and a true number three, a true closer, having a bullpen set up. There's a lot of different ways you can attack it, and we saw those different programs attack it in different ways. And even T.C. Roberson last year versus this year. We remember going through the state playoffs last year, and they would run out a guy for an inning, and if he was good, he would throw the second. And if he was good, he would throw the third. But as soon as anything got off, they just went to the bullpen. Here's the next guy. 
And if he was good, he stayed for an inning. If he wasn't, he went to the next guy. And so they're winning games in the state playoffs as they make a run to get to, you know, play Providence in the state championship, which I thought, you know, that experience really helped them this year. But they, they won a game last year throwing like eight or nine guys to get through a seven-inning game. And it was just mix and match and manage. And we're going to go left on left here. You got three righties. We're going to go slider guy. You got three lefties. We're going to go back to a left-handed guy. And we're going to go to work because I'm spilling water. So <laughs> um, I think, you know, there's different ways for those programs to do it. And, and I was interesting to see, you know, how those Western teams really handled that. You know, and Burns is a little bit different story, too. Because Burns maybe was able to develop some guys because they knew we, we got, we're going to score seven, eight, nine runs every game. We've got so much depth. And then we, we saw Colby Putnam this week at state games as we transition to state games. Colby Putnam's, you know, a, a legitimate <clears throat> probable number one. I mean, he that's a tough that, – that's a strike-throwing dude that doesn't flinch. So that gives him a guy on the front end too. So um, very, very impressive. Congratulations to all the teams that made our Power 25 – to the teams that didn't, I mean, it's 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 a tough it's a tough list to fill out. And I, I saw Matt's uh, scribble work on our in our back end where he's got you know 70, 80 teams on there, and he's trying to figure out how to fit them into a 25, 25 team pouch. And he's got great notes on Team sixty, and he, he you know he's looking at it and he's calling me, going, you know, does this team belong in there? I don't. I, they did this, this, and this. How do we leave them out? But you have to cut the line off of somewhere. Yeah, and you try to, you know, you want to reward reward champions but then if it's the power 25 he's does this team really beat this team you know especially right. if both aces are going so it's tough but congrats to all the teams in there and, and uh we really enjoy putting that together <clears throat> so the state games in north carolina not a pbr event <clears throat> but an event that's close to our hearts because you know you played in it i've covered it forever um it's it's really kind of the kickoff to the summer it used to be the kickoff to the recruiting class of that upcoming senior class i think We've gotten away from that a little bit, and a lot of schools are recruiting earlier. Even the Division II level, they know a lot of those seniors before they show up to state games. But the format, they show up on day one. They go through a, a pro-style type workout, taking uh, BP, running a 60, throwing from their positions. We had some rain. We had three uh, regions that had to hit indoors. Um, <clears throat> we're not able to finish their defense and stuff. We're not able to run. So day two, we, we saw a little bit more of an extended I.O., uh, at the Knights, Knights Castle, Truist Field, and downtown Charlotte, uptown Charlotte, don't call it downtown, uptown Charlotte, um, you know, and, and then four really well-played games. And then day three, they moved to UNC Charlotte, and uh, I was actually part of the, the design team, I guess. I didn't, I didn't get to make any final decisions, but I saw the drawings, and um, there was at one point awnings on top that were going to cover some of the, the uh, bleachers and, and some of the seats, and we took those out. And when we're sitting in there and it's 95 degrees and we're watching those games, I'm sitting there kicking myself for not having the awning in there. Um, but overall, let's just let's jump in with an overall. What, what was your overall thoughts as you watched the first? You got four days in. What'd you think? Uh, good BP throwers on day one. You know, we're we're evaluating yeah. that for, for uh, guys to come work events. But I thought it was good. I thought the the kids uh, competed. Uh, the energy level was good throughout. Uh, you know, day one, you get you get three lower scoring games, the first three games, and then, you know, the last game turns into, a, you know, a football contest with uh team puts up seven in the first. You know, you think we might get a run rule, and then the other, other club comes back and puts up seven of their own, and we get like a 15 to 11 game, and always, always a good way to start day one. That's a good way to screw up your pitching plan for the week, too. 
And I know it did reach the sixes. You know, you're, you got the plan. Hey, you're going to throw on Tuesday and you're going to throw on Wednesday and it's seven, seven in the second. And you're just pulling your hair out as coach going, go get loose. Go everybody go. But uh, I like the, you know, we had a couple extra inning games. They, they go there. They're, uh, you know, go to extras. They start with the bases loaded and one out. Uh, you know, that was, that, that was exciting to see a couple of times. And, yeah, so that was yesterday, and that was those both those games decided who's playing in the gold medal game later today. Yeah. Um, and it was the first time in state games history that they've used that rule, which I think has been in place for four years. Um, and then not only do we get it once, we got it twice. So you know, I, if you've been to the state games, if you played in it, if you're around, the scouts sit right behind the home plate, and a couple of our pro pro scouts who have been there for thirty two plus years. Anything like that starts happening, it's just they start to, state games, and everybody starts kind of chanting it, and it kind of gets a chuckle. The for the players, it's their first time there. We're not making there's not nobody's making fun of anything. It's just we're there for, gosh knows twelve hours a day. There's got to be some levity to it, and but that that excitement because we talked about it walking all the way to the parking garage last night. You know that yeah, that was that was a pretty cool deal seeing. Two games decided in a first-time-ever type fashion to see who goes play for the gold. The other thing we love about this event is, was it Region 4 knocked off Region 6 last night? Gold? Uh, 4 beat 6, and uh, I know the 7 beat 3, and I, I think it's, it's the first time in forever Region 7's played for a gold medal. So Right. You know, and that so that's cool. See. And, and, and you see the kids, you know, day one – it's like any event we run. I, I, I'm here. I've got to showcase me. I've got to do a good job. Day two, they're kind of feeling each other out. By day three, these guys know each other, and they're starting to play for one another. You're starting to see guys really care that their teammate has a good outing, really care that they put together a good at bat, You know, willing to give themselves up, willing to give up an at bat to move a guy from second to third. Um, and then you get both of the deals. Yesterday, one ends up on a, on a hit-by-pitch. You know, so it's a little bit of a muted celebration as we make sure the player was okay. The other one, uh, ball put in play, was single, and they, or actually it was a double, and they scored. They would have scored three. They scored two to win. And, you know, the entire dugout comes flooding out. They got the water bottles. They're, they're piling on the guy and jumping and having a good time. It, we really don't even see sometimes see that in summer games, you know, that, that bonding because even in the summer stuff, there is that it's I'm here for, for me, and, and really they are. But I love that this event gets that camaraderie and gets that team focus. And I think the coaches do a good job with that because they are high school coaches from the area and they're bringing in these kind of all-star teams and, and trying to get those guys to play for one another for one week to, for a chance to win gold. And you go, oh, man, we're winning gold, What's you know, whatever. But by day three, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, we even uh, you know got a sack bunt in one of those games, which we were all impressed. You know, it gets it on the, on the first pitch. <coughs> And moves the runner, and you know it, it leads to a big inning, and, and and you know got region three back in the game. Yep, yep. So let's start with region one. We're going to go really quickly through a couple of these or each of these regions. Um, you know, Matt, uh, let's let's stay offensive with you, um, right. and, and give me a, give me a couple names here. Region one, the guys have stood out offensively. Uh, I mean, Matthew Aldridge is the easy one. He was. Uh, Left-handed hitter out of J.H. Rose, 2025. Uh, strong, heavy hands. Hit the ball in the barrel all week long. Impressive. Um, you know, I thought their middle infield played well with Connor Radford at short from Hunt and Brady Williams from Kurtuck. Uh Both made some good defensive plays. 
Uh, Brady Williams is just, just a very fundamentally sound player. I, I, I wish he ran a 6'6". I wish he was 6'2", 2'10". He's just he's not. But you talk about a guy that ex- gets to his ceiling and then maybe overperforms at times. His double play turn on day one, and he did it twice, may have been the best pivot turn at second base I've seen from a high school player 20 years. I mean, it was really good, and he did it twice. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah, he, he made another play going you know, going to his left, playing second base, and just made it look easy. And he's going to be a really good baseball player for somebody. Um, like Radford's arm from short and his ability to play on the run. Um, little guy too. He's got he's got a little twitch in him. A little there's some spring in there. You know, you, you see him. You kind of he's not. It's not. It's not weak. He's just wiry. Yeah, tw- twenty pounds, and, and you got something on that kid. Absolutely. You know, he put, puts that on, and um, Nick Nick Worrell from Hunt, um, right-handed hitter, got some strength, hit some balls hard. Uh, another guy, Tucker McClung, uh, twenty twenty-six from Farmville yep. Central, left-handed hitter. Uh, He's got some comfort in the box, and uh, you know, I thought he had some good at bats throughout the week. Yeah, I'm going to touch on Aldridge real quick because um, we can we can tell this story now. He came to the Dirtbag Scout Day, and he took BP. and And, and sometimes the guys running through those events, first time ever, they don't know what they don't know what we're looking for. They don't know how to display what they do. Um, and and his BP, it was bad. I mean. He'll tell you that we had, you know, we, you could tell there was quickness. You could tell he was super strong, but it was a bad BP, uh, you know, and then to watch him take BP on day one here, much better. Still was not who he is as a hitter, especially when you see him, he opens up, he goes double, single, 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 L6, single, double, double. And I one, two, three, four, five, I got six balls that have just been freaking hammered. And some of those haven't been strikes, and some of them have been freaking right down the chute. He's handling box to box. I mean, he's seeing it like a beach ball right now. <laughs> but it, that's yeah. one of the. It's it's something for for players to understand. That one time we see you, we understand that may be the worst you've ever been. It may be the best you've ever been, and we want to see you in different scenarios. And seeing him in gameplay, he is much much more comfortable in games than he is in a workout. Yeah, he, he competes and he's got bat to ball skill and he he was really fun to watch. Couple arms for me, um, Isaac Miles, um, first flight high school, eighty six to ninety physical, um, you know, broad shoulders, strong legs, works level, scapular load, simple athletic arm action, loading that scap to a high three quarter slot, uh, breaking ball spun up to twenty four hundred. Um, he, he's got a presence about him. I, I, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a guy that has a chance to pitch in a mid-major or higher. I could see him pitching, you know, on a Saturday in a, in a, in a regional with something on the line. Just he has that presence about him. I like Trey Williford, uh, left-handed pitcher. I think Farmville Central, 2025, it's a lower slot. And I'm always intrigued by guys that are different, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of a loose, whippy arm, but it's that lower slot that's kind of intriguing for me. Um Riley Treadaway, he showed good feel for a changeup. D.H. Conley, right-handed pitcher, was up to 87. Um, you know, so those are a couple of the guys that stood out uh, for me. Let's move to Region 2, Matt. Region 2 hitters, who do you like? Uh, the Beach Boys, uh, 2026, uh, Grady Sochifer, probably saying that wrong. Left-handed hitter, freshman. Uh, good D at short, made a play at the middle that stood out. 
Uh, Logan Ponnet from Hoggard, I thought had a great week. Uh, you know, four or five balls on the barrel. Um, Luke Vargo, left-handed hitter from Hoggard, uh, athletic. Uh, when he gets some strength, uh, I think his game's really going to improve. But like Tim, Patrick Bolt, uh, the catcher mm-hmm. from South Brunswick, uh, built solid like a rock. Uh, works his tail off behind the plate. Uh, smoke some balls at the plate. Uh, Alex Farrell, maybe not uh, his typical week, but uh, strength and bat speed in the box from Southern Wayne. Uh, a ton of a ton of deep at bats for him. He saw he saw so many pitches, and in the in the course of a week, not that big a deal. In the course of a sixty game season, and he's seeing three hundred pitches more than everybody else is seeing. That's a big deal. And he he got a lot of sliders in his at bats. I think you know people knew uh, reports. <laughs> knew, knew what he could do, and he got a ton of sliders. And then uh, John Nelson McLamb from Midway uh, really well. Cool he had a good week, couple, last couple of days, and, and smoked some balls at the plate. He's an interesting one because he's he's kind of it's kind of a bigger frame, and he's been bigger for a while. But I don't think everything's synced up. You know, he's not a baby giraffe that can't walk, but he's not the full grown giraffe that's sprinting across the fields of. of the you know the African desert or where 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 do where do giraffes live? They're not are they they're in Africa, right? <laughs> we'll we'll edit this out maybe or maybe leave it in. Anyway, he's, I don't I don't think he's he's completely found his center of gravity in this direction, hitting or pitching. And so I think there's going to be more quickness coming. But he he was good on the mound. He misses barrels. He doesn't miss bats, but he does miss barrels. He has great feel for arm side. He, he locates breaking ball to arm side. You know, if, if he's 86, 87, you know, we're pounding on the desk and blowing him up. It's just it's not there yet. But I think somebody takes a, a chance on that guy, you know, gets him in the weight room, gets him in a, some movement patterns, gets that body functioning in the right direction. And it's not far. It's really close. And that, the 81, 83 may jump to be 90, 93. Who knows? We've seen it happen. Um, you mentioned Logan Panette. Hoggard, I, lo- I love what he's done. Um, he went four for four yesterday with a, a home run and a double. The home run was kind of funny because he it was a ball that was off the plate in, and he dragged his hands in and got the barrel to it. <coughs> and I think he thought he snap hooked it, and the ball hung. I mean, the ball stayed on third baseline and just BB'd right off the pole. Um, it didn't curve at all, which you very rarely see. Um, the one of the hitters I, you mentioned him, Grady. Sotrafer, 2026 infielder out of South Brunswick. It's been interesting to see the poise he plays with. The scouts already know him, and they were they were excited to see him at the state games, the pro guys. Now, obviously, they've been in there to see Walker Jenkins. But in seeing Walker Jenkins, they saw Patrick Bolt, they saw Grady Sotrafer. And so those guys already have a little bit of, you know, whether it's a relationship or just a following with the pro guys, the pro guys want those guys to do well because they enjoyed watching them during the high school season. They enjoyed watching them go about their business. So those guys had some fans in our in our little section we sit in because of their experience in the spring, which I thought was pretty cool that I think not everybody gets to experience. If you're even just watching the state games as a parent, you know, you, you don't realize that pro scouts do take a liking to players. You know, and Grady doesn't profile as a pro guy right now, but the pro guys are pulling for him because they like – how he goes about his business. They like he has some toughness. They like he, you know, he does a lot of things fundamentally correct and he plays hard. And so when they're just talking about that, you could see college coaches going, okay, well, I'm going to bear down on him a little bit harder because there are these positive vibes being put out by him. Um, yeah, it's, 
it's always fun to hear the the their the players they're fans of from their you know their yeah. draft follows throughout the year and, and and guys they fall in love with. Pitching in this level, we talked about John Nelson, uh, McLam, uh, Chase Boucher from Hoggard is an intriguing uh, follow. Really tall, lean. <clears throat> Again, uh, the direction he's still trying to figure out exactly where he's going. I think there's a lot of room for strength gains in there. Uh, was 85, 87 on day one of games. Slider up to 76. Uh, inconsistent tilt. You know, at times he wanted it to sweep. At times he wanted it to go down. Um, so he's still trying to figure that out. The arm swing, the arm action. He'll throw one pitch, and you go, man, that, that sucker was whipping. That ball got out. You'll see the next one. His arm will kind of get stuck. Again, he, he's just he's young, and he's tall, and he's long. It, 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 when he figures it out, it may be it may all jump at once. Um, and then Brendan uh, Binkovic, who's a, a player we know, junior future games guy with us. Uh, you know, he's got a, a sturdy, strong build. He's a twenty-five, right? Twenty-five. Yep. Twenty-five from Wesleyan Christian. <clears throat> you know, and it's really good feel for slider. And it's it's a short, tight, late slider. Um, kind of working right out of his ear, and so there's some deception there. Uh, he's going to be interesting to follow as he continues to develop. Let's leave the beach. Let's head to the capital, uh, RDU area, Region 3, Matt. And, again, Region 3 built their, their roster a little different. They went, they went pitching heavy, so I think they only hit 11 guys over the course of the week, uh, which means yeah. those guys get a ton of at-bats. What would you say? Yeah, I I like how they do that, where their their position guys really get to settle in and play, and you know helps evaluators get a feel for them. Ian Williams, twenty twenty five from Wake Forest, uh, you know not not his typical week at the plate. I think he will hit, but he can go get it in center field. Uh, Ethan Britton, Wake Forest, two shortstop. Love watching him play shortstop. He, you know, he plays on the run, and you know just flip it from that low slot with some ease, and then when he's got to get on it, the arm's got some carry. Um, barreled a couple balls at the plate. Carlos Diaz behind the plate catching. Uh, you know, really, really threw it well, good at bats. I love how he stays inside the ball and stays in a big part of the field and, and got strength. Um, you know, Jet Music from Corinth, we know him on the mound. Campbell commit. Uh, he's also an ath athletic player in the box, got strength. Reese File from Corinth, uh, typically a middle infielder, had to play some third with uh, the roster this week, but I think he's a dirtbag type player with, with some foot speed who's who's uh who's going to be an interesting follow and Sam Corner from Voyager Academy 2025 catcher uh, left-handed hitter um, you know smoked a couple balls yesterday I love how he competes in the box uh, barrel stays in the zone um, get down Wyatt Lytle a 2026 from Middle Creek junior futures game guy uh, just yep. you know love that kid love the way he hits it's a compact swing he's got hand strength uh, you know on, on the barrel throughout the week and uh, Nathan Bunch from Athens Drive of 2024. Uh, big kid, uh, moves well for his size, and uh, he's got some bat speed and strength in there, and um, you know, enjoyed watching his at-bats. Yeah, you talked about Ian Williams. Ian, Ian will be interesting. I think he's one of those guys, he, he's, he can really run. I got him 419 down the line. His 60 doesn't say he's that good a runner but I think his 30 does. <clears throat> so he's one of those guys, as he, <clears throat> as he gets stronger, you're going to see his 60 times start to come in effect. I think he's got a chance to run in the 6.6s. Right now we're getting in the 6.9s. And, again, so we'll, let's address this too, the workout. They run the 60 in the workout, okay? We're going to post our times. 
Our times are off of your watch, my watch, and then our intern JB's watch. We'll, we'll look at all those times and we'll we'll go with the time or median or average or whatever you want to do. But all of our all of our watches, when I look at our sheets, all of our watches are within 0.05 to 0.08 of each other. The laser they were using at the event, I was a quarter second <laughs> off. Okay, so a quarter second is like three years in stopwatch time. What and I, I know you know, and I know I know. Walk me through why, because the laser's not wrong. The laser's getting the the time the laser's tripped, the time they run through like that's that that's that's running right, and it was a sixty. Our watches, my watch has is, is been the same as it has been for thirty years. So I trust my watch. Tell me how they they were running that laser. Why it's different than our laser? Why sixty times can be different? Yeah, it's. You know, when we're running the watch, we're starting it on first move. And, we, you know, we got our point when they're crossing and when we're stopping and, you know, being consistent with each guy on that stop point. Uh, the lasers trip at different times. Uh, a lot of times those guys are, you know, step out of the gate before that laser, laser trips and cutting down some time. And, you know, I, I know I, we cross-checked our times with a lot of people there and, and what the laser was getting was not what any watches were getting. Right. So, and the way it was set up, it was a laser that was set up with the laser running at about shin level. And so, and they're set up behind the laser. And so, you know, the laser's here, the player's here. Well, there were some players that were here. And then there were some players that were right up on it. You know, and ideally with that laser, with that setup, you want your hands on the ground. I'm putting my hands like you can see my hands on this thing. You want your hands on the ground and basically underneath the laser. So the first thing you do is you raise up and you're going to trip the laser. In a baseball start, you can't do that. So there were players that they took a false step, which is fine. You take that false step, and as you're turning, they've taken two steps before they hit the trip. Our watches are going on that false step. And so that's that's why that laser is off. Now, if, if you run on that laser every single day, and you set up in the same start spot every single day, that laser is giving you positive feedback. You will find out if you are faster. But one of the things you have to do as a player and as a coach and as a scout <clears throat> is you have to understand everybody's watches are different. And so I know that my watch is typically 0.05 slower than Matt's watch. For, for five years, that's been the case. Uh, you know, we, we try to learn our interns. Where does their watch compare to our watch? You know, I, I know some of the pro scouts are out there. I know how their watches work versus ours. For PBR, we set guys inside the laser. And so when their first movement, they move, the laser trips. Any part of that laser gets broken, boom, the laser's going. So you move, you probably lose the laser, and it goes. And that's why our laser equates a little bit closer to my watch, which doesn't make players happy because my watch runs slow. But that's why our times are consistent across the board nationally. It doesn't mean our times are right. It means our times are consistent. And so I thought, you know, with Ian, that was a good point to bring up. Ethan Britton, Duke Camino Wake Forest, he can really play defense. Carlos Diaz, um, he's going to hit, but it's been really impressive to watch him throw and move behind the plate. And to think that Wake Forest had two of those catchers when a lot of schools are struggling to find one um, was really <laughs> impressive. So, um, and I think you hit the <clears throat> head on the nail with the other guys. I like corner behind the plate, younger player, but, you know, he's got some baseball savvy to him. Nathan Bunch is kind of a do-it-all type player with a chance to hit for some power. 
Uh, on the bump, <coughs> I'm coughing. Uh, we saw Henry Good, we mentioned from Garner, 81-82, strike thrower. Um, Cameron Brown, 83-86, uh, spun his breaking ball up to 25-70 on the RPMs. Anthony Zezas, 2026 out of Holly Springs, uh, threw day one at the AAA park and didn't flinch. Gave up a couple runs early and didn't flinch. Uh, gave him a couple of hits, didn't flinch. And all of a sudden, he completed four innings, which going against these lineups for these guys this time of the year, getting through four innings is pretty impressive. Did I miss any arms from yesterday with these guys? I know I missed one because I was, I was out running around doing something different. Um, but did Mr. McKenzie yeah. throw? Mr. McKenzie threw, uh, you know, pitchability, break a ball, projection. Uh, you know, we know what he did at the future games last year. Uh, tweaked up a little bit in the lower half, still went out and competed. And, uh, you know, that, that velo is coming, and uh, I think it'll be here pretty quick. Yeah, he, he's got a chance to be special. It's interesting when you get to see these guys so young, the ebbs and flows of their development. Not everything is a, is a linear projection line moving up. You know, you do have some drop-offs. You do have some, some spikes. The body does do some different things. So um, watching him go through that <clears throat> has been a good reminder for us. Not everything is just straight linear. Um, region four. <clears throat> so region four kind of covers between Charlotte and Wilmington is a stretch of road called highway 74. And it used to be the worst road in North Carolina to drive because there was nothing to see. Then it started to grow up around there. And we've got more ball players around there with Lee County, Harnett Central, Triton, Union Pines, Whiteville, Terry Sanford, Richmond, Grace Creek. Let's talk about region four hitters. Some of the hitters that pop for you, Matt. Uh, B.J. Brown, 2024, Wilmington commit, uh, was at Lee County this past year. I believe he's going to Grace Christian next spring. Uh, also a, a, a really high-rated football running back in North Carolina. I think he may be going just baseball only coming up. But uh, wow. hand strength, uh, bat speed, uh, smokes some balls, and uh, you know moves well in center field too. Uh, he was a standout guy for me. Uh, Mason Hughes, Charleston Southern commit from Cape Fear, 2024. Uh, great ball of energy season. yeah uh great great high school season uh frames got stronger left-hand hitter uh just you know he impressed at the workout and bp and uh goes out and just you know smokes some balls in the games uses the whole field um i thought he had a had a really good week and uh aiden taylor from Harden central 2024 mm -hmm. um, hit you know six balls on the barrel seven balls on the barrel throughout the week right hand hitter it's just uh really direct path and he's got feel for the barrel and uh, thought he had a really good week. Yeah. The Mason Hughes has been the one that kind of stood out. He, I mean, he just plays with so much energy. He, like he can't stand still and, <laughs> and, and he moves around he, and it's gotten, he's gotten himself in some bad positions defensively because he's constantly moving, but he's made some good plays out of being in a bad position. Um, he's, he's going to be fun to watch BJ Brown. I need a run time. BJ, if you hear this before you play today, I need a run time. I not see <laughs> you guys running. I need you to open up. I want to see what you can do. Uh, on the bump, Walker McDuffie was Walker McDuffie, and he is a freaking I, – I would I, – there's not a whole lot of high school guys that I would just drive, pay money, and just sit in the stands and watch pitch. Walker McDuffie, I would. He is a freaking fun watch. Different arm slots. He's doing – he's manipulating his slider. He's pitching in. He's pitching out. You know, he, he's upset with himself when he goes to a 3-2 count when he should have finished the guy 2-2. He doesn't flinch with a runner on first. The pacing, the, the facial structure, none of it moves. And you can tell he's enjoying himself. He is a fun, fun watch on the bump. 
<clears throat> Cameron Seagraves, um, not quite as sharp as we've seen him. We did see him up to 90 in the outing, though. Um, Ashton Hammonds through yesterday. Whiteville, right-handed pitcher, 82-85, manipulated the breaking ball. Early in counts, a little bit shorter, 73-75, landed it consistently. Later in counts, lengthened that breaking ball, trying to get some, some chase, and he did, and it was harder at 77. Um, he's an interesting follow just from a standpoint. <clears throat> I don't know where the stuff's going to go, but I think he has a chance to get some outs because he can manipulate the baseball a little bit. He has a, a pretty good feel and understanding of what he's doing. Matt, Region 5. As we go to Region 5, we're now heading back into um, the triad area. So uh, that Greensboro, um, Guilford County, High Point, um, uber, uber-loaded uber talent area. What did Region 5 bring with them? Uh, Landon Mallory from, from Trinity High School, uh, left-handed hit middle, middle infielder. Uh, good swings, plays really hard, You know, drove some balls to, balls to both gaps. Uh, Dawson Shelton from Oak Grove, 2024, uh, right-handed hitter. Uh, like how he can drive the ball to the, the opposite field. You know, he's got some juice to right center. It's a compact swing, uh, some some bat quickness through the zone in there. Uh, Matt Murchison from, from Chatham Central, 2025, left-handed hitter. Uh, body's got some projection. He can add some strength, some strength but it's a loose swing. Um, barrel stays in the zone, and he's got feel for the barrel there. Um, Jackson Jones is a, is an athletic kid, tall, lanky kid from Eastern Guilford. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he, he can move, he can move a little bit. It's left-handed Savoy Edwards from Dudley. Uh, another left-handed hitter. He's athletic. It's very raw, but I think with, uh, he may have one of the higher ceilings. Yeah. Uh, he hit a ball off the top of the scoreboard there at Tugasichi and BP that, that, yeah. day, you know, and uh, it's very raw, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of upside there. Blaze Johnson, a uh, great high school season, left-handed hitter with some juice. Um, and then Jake Dunlop, uh, an, another outfielder, left-handed hitter from High Point Christian. Uh, really like the body, uh, a larger frame. It's athletic. Uh, got some quickness, um, left-handed hitter. And, you know, he, he was on the barrel throughout the week, and he got some arm strength from the outfield too. Yeah, if you follow us, you've, you've heard some of these names because this is an area where we're able to get to fairly easily with where you live, where I live. <clears throat> and some of these names are, are, are kind of guys we're seeing for a fourth to sixth time. we got a pretty good feel for them, and I think they've shown very well. On the mound, Tate Jones was their first arm to throw, coming off you know a great high school season. Um, bumped 88 early, Saturday 385, uh, did not have the feel. And, again, you, you, one of the things that happens is he showcases he's thrown to a catcher he may have never met before. He's, you know, with coaches who, you know, are just turning him loose, trying to get into sequences, trying to get your timing, trying to get your pregame routine. There's all sorts of things that can throw you off, um, but it's it's a really loose arm. It's a really whippy, athletic arm. So, you know, let's take away performance and take away just all, all the pure numbers. If you just sit and watch him, you like the way he moves, you like his direction, you like his arm action, you like his angle. Uh, there's a lot to work with. Uh, Jack Vest. I'm guessing Vest was the number two at West Forsyth. That that was with him, and uh, who's who's the big guy for the 23 that's going to Chapel Hill? Um, Harrison Lewis. Har- yeah, with Harrison. I didn't know they had that one-two combo. I had not seen Vest. I'd heard, but what I had heard was not what I saw. I heard 85, 87, really athletic arm. 
East Tennessee commit, 88-90. Late, sharp, cutterish type slider at 78-81. He got enough length to miss some bats. I put, an, I put a really good grade on the slider. Medium arm action, loose, high three-quarter, plus arm speed. Simple, builds tempo, athletic arm, and the body is built to handle some more weight. Uh, he's going to be a draft follow as we move forward through this year because that, that 90 may be 93 by the time we get to the fall. Um, and then uh, I'm just a personal favorite, another future games guy we had, Dawson Shelton, uh, kind of does it all. Baseball player. You know, he's really good in the infield check. <clears throat> Puts together great at bats, check. Strike thrower that doesn't flinch and spin a break him on his own, check. There's a reason Oak Grove has several of those. And there's a reason Oak Grove made the run they made into the uh, – the West Regional Finals against uh, they play they play Burns. Yes, they played Burns. I think they played Burns. There's a reason that club made that run, and it's guys like Dawson. So um, we'll move right along, Matt. The Queen City, the Charlotte area, <coughs> Region Six. What you got on Region Six? Uh, Neil Griffin from Metrolina Christian, East Carolina commit. You know, quick, twitchy. Um, you know, just moves well, uh, you know, short swing on the barrel stays is a big part of the field throughout the week. Uh, Jake Barbie from JM Robinson, a 2025 infielder, uh, long lanky body. That's going to hold some weight. Um, he, he, he looks the part, doesn't he? He, he, he does. Uh, Langston Rupert, uh, former future games guy. I had several hits throughout the week. Um, still raw, but there's quickness there. Uh, it's fun watching Javarius Green run from Crest. Uh, <laughs> he's a good athlete. He's, 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 uh, there's a reason he's heavily recruited in football. Uh, he, he was fun to watch. Trey Spees, left-handed hitter from East Lincoln. Um, liked the swing. Uh, he drove some balls throughout the week. Um, and then John McKillop uh, just absolutely scorched some balls. When he we hits line drives, they just they have they have carry to him and. Uh, He's, he's got another future games, games guy, another guy we've known very well, and kind of the coming out party. What what we've seen and what we thought was going to happen for him, but you never know, has happened this week because <clears throat> he has good hand-eye coordination with the bat. He has strike zone discipline. He's balanced. He has bat speed. We just haven't seen him do it in gameplay consistently. And then he opened up single, double, K, single, scorch, sack, fly, double, Single, and I mean every one of those except for the K, it would probably 95 to 110 off the bat, just absolutely blistered. Region six arms, and again, you know, some of these are, are retreads for me, just being in the area. Cole Smith uh, struggled a little bit from North Stanley 2024, but <clears throat> again, there's reasons guys struggle in these events. That arm action, I mean, he looks like he looks like louder at Wake Forest. The long hair, the it's the same high school, it's the same delivery, it's the same arm action, and there's arm speed. He's going to be fine. Um, <clears throat> I think the breakout guy has been Talon McConnell from South Point. Right here in the yeah. pitcher, kind of an average build, average height, average weight, straight line, uh, medium arm action, uh, not a ton of scapular load, just a just a normal athletic arm gets to over the top level and in line. Um, and in the fastball, 86 to 89, spin rate has approached 2,700. And there's some command issues at times, kind of fringy, but I think some of it's because the ball is just freaking taken off out of his hand with that spin. 
you know, he, if the spin rate's 2,400 to 2,550, he's throwing the ball where he wants to. But when that spin, when the spin jumps to 2,700, he's been elevated. And I think all it is is the movement on the ball. You think about sinker guys missing to their arm side. There are guys that spin the ball so much that they miss up. And he he's he's going to learn to command it. I mean, that is it's, and it's intriguing. The breaking ball is good enough. It's kind of a 10-4 tilt, sweepy, um, spin rate up to 2,500. Um, you know, 75, 78, you know, he, he's kind of a pick to click there in terms of a guy without a ton of, um, talk maybe coming in, but coming out of this thing, he's probably going to be receiving a lot of phone calls. And then the final one, I got, um, Cam Bagwell. Good to see him back on the mound. I got healthy late in the high school season, 88, 90 downhill, boring downhill, um, and, and really good outing for him. And then Ty Goodson, the Campbell commits. They're using him to close. So he's thrown all three days. His first two days, he was really good, uh, up to 92. Um, and, again, Campbell's done a good job kind of IDing guys that could be power arms. Um, starting to head out west, starting to climb the mountain. We'll go to Region 7. This is the Hickory, um, Alexander County, Davie County area. Mooresville kind of get, kind of get down into that loop of Charlotte. What do you have on Region Seven here, Matt? Yeah, I thought I thought the Region Seven team had had more depth this year than it has in, in years past, uh, top to bottom. Uh, middle infield, they had Jarrett Hoppus, Tyler Hughesman, and Maddox Green, all all do different things well. Uh, those guys those guys were interesting to watch throughout the week. Tyler Sumner, left-handed hitter from uh, from Lake Norman, likes the way he yep. sets up in the box. Uh, you know, flatter swing path with some barrel feel. Uh, the Robinson brothers from Bandy's. Alex is the 24 hits left-handed. Uh, smoked a couple balls the other way. Uh, you, you got some quickness to the zone. Dominic Robinson, versatile player. We saw him catch. We saw him play infield. Worked out in the outfield. Uh, he, he's athletic. He had a great high school season, and uh, you know you, you can tell there's something to him. And he, he's going to be an interesting follow, I think, for a lot of people. You know, coming up, Connor Robertson, a guy we've seen liked. Uh, love how he can drive the ball to right field. Right-handed hitter. Uh, really, really strong hands. It's compact, and uh, you know he 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 drives it. And then uh, Braxton Trammell, East Carolina commit, switch hitter. Uh, he he keeps getting stronger, and uh, he's got some real pop in that bat. He hitting right handed. He homered to left. Um, it's just it's really quick and really strong through the zone. And uh, so so you live in this area. Uh, yep. One of the questions I've always had. Dallas Baptist had this one. Have you ever been to Dallas Baptist? Dallas Baptist sits on a hill and the wind blows either straight out or straight in. But throughout most of the fall, it blows out. App State, the hitters at App State, <clears throat> the hitters at Wataga, the hitters at T.C. Roberson over the course of history, <clears throat> thinner air. And I get rewarded every single day I, I swing the bat with bat speed. I get rewarded. And I'm watching guys like Johnny Ray. It's not a ton of balance. It's it's awkward at times, but he is flat out airing out every freaking swing he can because if he does make contact, he's going to hit it 500 feet, and that's the mentality. And it's a scary mentality for a pitcher because you're only a miss away from him leaving the yard. Is it a mentality on the mountain? Is it just that we've had really good hitters come from that area, or is it something that can be taught? And then how do you teach it in places that aren't rewarding bat speed at lower levels? You know, so Dallas Baptist has, they call it smash practice. They don't call it batting practice. And they're rewarded for bat speed. 
because the ball flies out of there in the fall and it translates and they've got uber bat speed throughout their lineup. But developing that bat speed day after day after day after day, what what can coaches that are in an area where the ball doesn't just take off, what can they do to reward their hitters to give you the bat speed that we see Johnny Ray, even when he swings and misses and isn't on balance for, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to look through a couple of the other ones, you know, uh, and think of some names, uh, the, 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 you know, Braxton Trammell's one. You know, they just get rewarded for it. Is it something that code that you've done in the past? I mean, you coached up on the mountain. Yeah, I think, you know, you're talking about Dallas Baptist. You, know, you always heard in BP, you know, they would sit back there with, you know, in the early days of radar gun, you know, now they have track man. And, you know, your, your worst boat off the bat better be a, above a certain number. Right. You're just, you know, training guys for hard contact and, you know, I, th- I think up here it's, you know, a lot of facilities and they've taught you, you know, hard contact, whether it's ground or air, you got a better chance of getting on base if you hit it hard. And, you know, you're seeing some of that aggression. And then you get up on the mountain, you get some windy days to where you don't have to make good contact and you hit, you, you know, you can hit the ball to the ballpark, you know. And, you know, Wataga's not a very big field and, you know, very windy up there. So you can get some balls in the air. But boy, did he have some aggression throughout the week in the box. I just, I've always, it's the same thing with pitchers. If I can throw my fastball by a guy, I'm going to throw more fastballs. And the more fastballs I throw, the harder my fastball gets to hit because the hard, the more velocity I develop. Guys that have to spin the breaking ball at age 11 and 12 to get outs don't develop the same arm strength typically because they're not throwing as many fastballs as everybody else. Guys that get to air out their bat every single day and get rewarded for it. And I, you know, we have to find ways. You know, maybe at the beach when, when El Nino comes through and you got that heavy fog air just sitting on top of you, the ball's not going there. You know, yeah, track man or a radar gun or something to kind of you know balance that out. But I always think that's interesting when we watch these guys hit. Um, on the mound, the uh, maybe maybe the most impressive outing of the entire tournament was Sean Jenkins. East Carolina commit 2025. We knew he was good. We, I thought he would be a pro follow by the time he was a 2025. Uh, they may start following him now. It was 90 to 93, 23, 24, 2500 spin rate, an excellent breaking ball. I'm talking about t- late, hard, 10-4 tilt that just exploded on hitters at 75-79. For me, in terms of committed guys, he's been the biggest winner. Because his name is now on the board, pro guys are going to be following him for two years to get the background on him. Um, and you know they've had some other guys throw well, but that's that's the guy that kind of jumped for me in Region Seven. Yeah, he was he was impressive. And there, We've been seeing that. I, and I talked to East Carolina's coaches, and they they said, well, we we thought it was in there. We hadn't seen it though. We, he'd thrown well. We hadn't seen that. And so it's it's always fun to be around when when it happens for the first time. Region Eight, Matt. All the way up the mountain, couple couple state champions on this uh, on this team. Um, what do you have out of Region Eight's hitters? Uh, Gunner Alm from Polk County, twenty twenty six, Pat commit, athletic left handed hitter, had a good week. Zeb Swangham from TC Roberson, uh, played third base for them. Love the way he moves. He's just got a presence to him that I like. Then Caden Davison, just you know, smash balls. You know, he's a big time prospect out of TC Roberson. Uh, brother was a former first round draft pick and uh, you switch switch hits in the workout and it's you know it's very interesting from the left side always at bats right-handed and a lot of hard contact Kate Gardner uh, guy we've seen quite a bit from AC Reynolds uh, you know got some bat speed and strength made a good play at second base 
Uh, you know, I think he's moving better than, than he has in the past defensively. Um, Jackson Lida, state champion at West Henderson, left-handed hitting infielder. Like the frame, like the projection, got some got some uh, feel for the barrel in there. Uh, Walker Fox, a 24 from Pisgah, another left-handed hitter. You know, broad shoulders, you know, going to add strength, like the way he sets up in the box. And I thought it was a good good week for those guys from Region 8. Walker Fox stood out to me just from that the way he moves around in that frame. That You can dream on what that frame is going to be. Um, and <clears throat> it's been impressive. Caden Davidson, from the time we saw him in January at a preseason All-State, following through the high school season, better and better and better and better. And its pitch recognition is um, extremely good to be a junior in high school. <clears throat> On the bump, well, let's start with a T.C. Roberson uh, state champion, Micah Simpson, left-handed pitcher. Had a couple big knocks in the, in the state tournament to get T.C. Roberson into a championship situation. He's a 2025 left-handed pitcher primarily. Um, the stuff doesn't wow you, but he doesn't give up hard contact. So he's going to be an interesting follower to see what guys do because it's a little different slot. You can really lower the slot. You can move him over on the rubber. You can make him uh, you know, a left-on-left specialist. And if he really develops changeup, you know, give him a chance to face more righties. But 78, 81, it, it's, it, it would be hard just to pull the trigger and go, yeah, I'm in. Guys are going to have to go back in there and see him. They're going to have to talk to the guys at TC Rubbers. Why is this guy not getting hit? Well, he can move his fastball to four quadrants, and he can throw a breaking ball for a strike. <clears throat> and so you could see he was away, 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 away. The opposing team got up on the plate. Bam, 81 in. You know, bam, 81 up under the chin. Move him off the plate. Back to away. You know, and he was constantly making hitters make a decision on how they were going to be, uh, how they were going to be handled. And so he, for me, of the, of the guys they've thrown, he was the most intriguing uh, just because of the pitchability. So <clears throat> in the coming, as I continue to cough, I'm just choked up. I'm so happy about state games being here. Um, <laughs> we're gonna, we've still got a ton of information going to come out uh, between myself, Matt, our intern, JB. We're going to try and go through region by region. Uh, I don't know that we'll do a report on every single player, but, you know, players that we have enough information that we can write up a little bit on, um, you know, put some information out, put the stats out that we, we got from, whether game play, pop times in between innings, pop times in games, pop times workouts, 60 run times. <clears throat> we'll have all that information rolling out. It'll roll out slower than our typical events because this wasn't one of our events where all that information is basically automated as we're going through the event. So it's going to take us a little while. Um, plus, Matt, on the website, We've still got a ton of information running out from Kane Central, On Deck O's, Golden Spikes. Um, we've got USA Prime Scout Day coming up. And in one of the best events of the year for me, our North Carolina-South Carolina border battle. Um, it's you and, and Sammy Esposito and throwing North Carolina guys versus South Carolina guys. We'll be at UNC Charlotte. It's The, the rosters are shaping up. It's looking like it's going to be a, just a fantastic event. Yeah, it is. It's one of our favorite events. Talented roster so far. I know there'll be more guys added in, in you know, over the next week. And look forward to getting down there and you know spending a day with our friends from South Carolina. Absolutely. Well, for Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. We ran a little over our, our shot time, but a ton of information this week. More information coming next week, and we'll see you at the future.